Good morning, fam. How are you all doing? Good, good. Well, it's an honor to be with you this morning and to have the opportunity to share. I always count it an honor and privilege when I get to share with God's people. Um, As you know, we've been moving through the Gospel of Luke in our Absolute series, and uh, we will continue in that. Um, Let me put my notes here. I was looking for a podium there, but uh, let me... While we're still warming up here, I got a little joke for you this morning. I can laugh a little bit. So these two young men, friends, live on the same block. Uh, You know, they were getting to know each other, and they said, hey, you know, why don't we go to each other's church one Sunday and just so we can see how it is at each other's church. So it's like, all right, cool, let's do that. So... um, The one friend, he took his friend with him to Mass one particular Sunday. He's a Catholic, and so they, as they walked into the church there, thank you, as they walked into the church, you know, his friend saw them dipping their fingers and putting water on their head, making a sign of the cross. He said, hey, what what, what does that mean? And he says, oh, oh, you know, that's so we remember our baptism. He's like, oh, okay, cool, cool. So they go in, and then he sees all of these like pictures of scenes of Jesus, you know, with the cross and things like that. And he leans over and asks his friend, he says, hey, what what are those? What what do they mean? And he said, oh, those are stations of the cross. We use them to reflect and to meditate on the passion of Jesus. He was like, oh, okay, okay, cool, cool. So you see someone else come in the church, and before they go to their seat, they kind of kneel and, you know, do like this. And he's like, yo, what's that? What does that mean? He said, oh, that's, they're genuflecting. That's their way of honoring, you know, the, the altar. It's like, okay, cool. So, you know, they get through it, you know. He says, oh, okay, it was good, you know. It was kind of short, but it was good. <laughs> and so <laughs> next Sunday, <laughs> they go to the other guy's church. And the other guy is, is black, and so they go to his black Baptist traditional church. And so as they're going, wait, I'm, I didn't get to the punchline yet. Y'all got to let me get there, Okay. Man, y'all laughing before time. (laughs) Gosh. So, okay, where was I? Okay, so they go to the traditional black Baptist church. And so, you know, as, as, as they go in, you know, they're going in and, you know, his friend sees like, you know, people in robes lined up on the side and they're kind of just doing like this to a rhythm. And he says, you know, he says, hey, what's, what's going on? He's like, oh, that's the choir. They always march in you know, as they sing. It's kind of like a procession. He was like, oh, okay, all right. And then, you know, he saw a bunch of elderly ladies sitting in the front off to the side, and he says, now, why are all those elderly ladies sitting like that together? And he says, oh, that's kind of what we call the mother's board. These are the mothers of the church. They look out, you know, for the young ladies and look out just for the church in general. It's like, okay, okay. And then he was looking as he was looking. He kind of saw, like, this row up front where, you know, it was all guys, and they were just talking through the whole service, like, amen, you know, yes, sir, yes, sir, amen, well, he's like, hey, what, what is that, oh, those are the deacons, you know, the deacons are just, you know, kind of, you know, giving their, you know, hey, man, you know, that's a good word, oh, amen, that's right, it's like, okay, then, you know, the pastor, he gets up, the pastor gets his stuff, you know, comes to the podium, he's got his robe on, and he gets there, and he's like, ah, he said, welcome this morning. You know, it's tuning up a little bit. I'm glad that you are here. And they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
He says, and I, I, I won't be before you long. And his friend leans over. He says, now what does that end this friend? No, don't pay that any attention. That don't mean anything. So, I won't be before you long. But we'll uh, try to delve into God's word together. Amen? All right. Laughter is good medicine. So, turning to the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, beginning at, we're going to be in the ninth chapter, and I'll read the passages first, then I'll back up and give us a little context, okay? So, looking at um, chapter nine, and we'll begin at verse 18, sorry, I'm in Luke. Pastor don't know his Bible. I'm here trying to preach in the wrong chapter here. All right. So Luke 9, beginning at verse 18. Now it happened that as he, referring to Jesus, was praying alone, the disciples were with him. And he asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they answered, John the Baptist. But others say Elijah, and others that one of the prophets of old has risen. Then he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. And he strictly charged them and commanded them to tell this to no one, saying, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Amen. Thank God for the reading of his word. So we've been in the gospel of Luke, and we've been taking this journey with Jesus. We've seen the birth of Jesus. We've seen his baptism by John. We've seen him go into the wilderness, uh, fasting for 40 days to be tested, to be tempted of the devil. We see him... Doing, preaching his first message. We see him doing all kinds of miracles, teaching, healing the sick, um, you know, opening blind eyes, all of these wonderful miracles. We see him calling disciples to be with him, but also to join him in his mission. And a little, what I'm going to talk about this morning is the cost of non-discipleship. The cost of non-discipleship. So we see Jesus investing into his disciples, these 12. And when a rabbi calls disciples to follow him, 
He is calling them, first of all, to, to be with him, to live life with him, and then to learn how to live, but also to do the type of things that he himself is doing. A rabbi calls a student or an apprentice because the rabbi believes this student has the potential to do the same things that I am doing. They are to reflect Jesus' life and his character and also his work. Being a Christian or being a disciple is not about being just a good citizen. It is so much more than that. It is so much more than learning what not to do. There are so many more things that God invites us into a relationship, but he also invites us into kingdom responsibility. Last week, Pastor Doug uh, took us through a narrative about Jesus and his disciples in the storm. If you didn't get a chance to, hear, to listen to it, you can go online and listen. It was a, a powerful message. But Pastor Doug highlighted two questions there. As they were in the storm, the disciples began to panic. And, you know, they went to Jesus, and Jesus asked the question of them. And if you were here last week, you remember that question was, where is your faith? And Jesus didn't ask it in a way like, oh, where's your faith? You know, Pastor Doug brought out, it was more of a kind of a father speaking to a son. Where is your faith? Not to put them down, not to highlight their ignorance, but to say, to cause them to begin an internal dialogue of like, well, we, we went to Jesus, didn't we do the right thing? And Jesus is saying, where is your faith? I'm investing in you. You're my disciples. Use what I've given you. Starting this internal dialogue. Then after they see Jesus rebuke, you know, the wind and the waves, there was another question. And the second question is, who is this? I, I like the King James Version for its poetic, you know, reading sometimes. I grew up reading the King James, even though I don't talk like, you know, how, how art thou, you know? From whence the, dost thou come, you know? But the King James, it phrases this question a little bit different. It says that they asked one another, what manner of man is this? Like, yo, wait a minute. We've been walking with him, and we've seen him do some crazy things, but now the wind is listening to him? The waves are listening to him? There's something more to who he is. And it starts this internal dialogue. And so from that, they go into the feeding of the five. Well, Jesus actually, he gives the 12 authority to do what he's been doing, to preach the good news, to heal the sick, and to cast out devils. And so now they're not only following him and watching, watching him, but he said, you've seen me do it, now it's your turn. He sends them out to do it. And so it's, it's a real apprenticeship. It's a real discipleship. This is not just lecture. This is like you're learning some things, then you're going out and you're going to do them. And so we get, they get back, Jesus feeds over 5,000, and now we end up in this passage, and it opens up where Jesus is praying along. He's out of prayer, and he comes to his disciples, and he asks them two questions. The first question he asks them is, who do they, referring to the crowd, who do they say that I am? 
Now, it's interesting that he says the crowd because the crowd has a different vantage point than the disciples. The crowd, they are seeing Jesus from afar. The disciples are in relationship and they're doing life with Jesus. But the crowd is attracted to Jesus. They, they just like what he's doing. They, something resonates about Jesus. And they're like, oh, where's he going to be at tomorrow? Oh, over there? That's where I'm going to be. I'm going to be over here. Where's he going to be? Over there? And they're going and they're following him. And so they don't really know Jesus. They know about him. And so their response is a little different. And so the disciples say, well, you know, that we heard him say things like, he, he's John the Baptist. No, but others say he's, he's like Elijah. Then others say he's just like some ancient prophet that is back from the dead. And so they really don't know. All they know is that there is something unique about Jesus. Then Jesus turns and he asks the disciples, who do you say that I am? And now he's asking them from their vantage point, You've been with me for a while. You've been seeing some things, and I know you've been asking yourself some questions. See, Jesus isn't just asking this question like, come on, tell me, what are the people saying about me? They love me, don't they? No, it's, it, Jesus isn't ego tripping here. But he's asking them a question, and here's a quote for you that comes from the chief rabbi's Haggadah. This is a, a commentary on the Passover. And this quote says this. It says that, you see it on the screen here, it says, to be without questions is not a sign of faith, but a lack of depth. Let me read it one more time. To be without questions is not a sign of faith, but a lack of depth. We, we understand this. You know, in school, the way that you look smart is you don't ask any questions. You know, you just sit there like you know it already, knowing you don't know the answer. But no one wants to raise their hands because no one wants to look stupid. The, what we're tested on is not really if, what, if we understand the lesson. We're tested if we can give the right answers for the fill in the blanks or for the scantron. It's not we don't get graded on what we understand, but if we give the right answer. But discipleship is a little bit different. I believe God creates capacity in those who are following him by having them ask themselves questions, but also asking them questions. And this is what we see here. We see Jesus creating depth in his disciples. He's saying, who do they say that I am? Because he, know, he knows it, it, it was just a couple of days ago where they were like, who is this dude? And they didn't think he knew, but they're like, who is this dude? Who is he? And now he turns around and he asks them, he's, I know there's some inner dialogue going on. I know you're wondering and you're trying to figure it out. I want to tease you into this because when you cry out for wisdom, then you get wisdom. See, if you seek, you find. If you knock, the door is open. If you ask, you receive. And so what this internal dialogue, this is, this is a hunger. They want to know. And Jesus turns around and he asks them, he says, yeah, he says, I'm asking you because I want you to know as bad as you want to know. Who do you say that I am? And we don't get it in this particular narrative, but over in Matthew, uh, 
Matthew's version of the story, we see that Peter says, you are the Christ, son of the living God. And Jesus says to Peter, flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. But my father, which is in heaven, he's the one that made that known to you. You see, God will give revelation when we're seeking for it, when we want understanding. But asking questions is a tough thing. And some of us are so busy that we don't even take time to hear the inner dialogue of our own heart. I remember a student I had when I, my family and I, my wife and I, we lived in Rochester, New York, and I used to be a, a youth advocate in one of the public high schools there. And there was a young man, you know, who I was kind of mentoring, and, you know, we used to get into these discussions that old men and young men get into about who's a real hip-hop artist, what's real music, what's not good music. You know, we were having one of those discussions. And, you know, he was kind of like, oh, Mr. Coleman, no, nah, no, nah, those, those rappers all played out. You need to get on this. You know, we were having that discussion. And so at the end of, you know, kind of the conversation, I just said, no, nah, what you need to be listening to is some jazz, you know. And, um, and I gave him a challenge. I said, take the CD home. I said, and if you can listen to it for an hour, you the, you the man. You know music. I said, but if you can't, then we'll see. And I was just giving him a challenge, trying to tease him into something uh, different. And uh, he took the CD and he said, okay, bet. And as he was going to, towards the door, I was like, yo, I said, write L. I said, you know, also when you finish listening, write me a one-page paper on it. You know, we kind of <laughs> laughed, you know. But the next day, he came into my office with the sheet of paper. And he was like, here you go, Mr. Coleman, you know, gave it to me. He went off to class. And I, and I started to read it. And as I was reading it, He's, you know, he's, he's just giving me honest feedback. He said, the first time I tried to listen, I couldn't do it. I turned it off, and I was just like, forget this. And he said, but I said, no, I got to do this. I can do this. And so he put it back on, and he listened for the entire hour. And this next part is what hit me hard. He said, as I listened, the music was so slow, but this is the first time that I began to reflect about my life. He said, I realize the music that I listen to is so fast-paced that I never even get to think about my life. And I think that's what happens to most of us. Life keeps us so busy that we never have time to reflect on the deeper things. And God may be speaking to us. There are questions we have that we don't ever get to get to a response from God because we don't have time to engage our heart. What is your heart saying? Stop. Listen to your heart. Hear what it's saying. Because God is speaking. God is trying to call you into something. So when God asks a question, he's not always looking for the right answer. He's trying to tease you into something deeper. And then he's trying to provoke a response or to stir in you a response. See... I believe that being a disciple and following Jesus, it's all about Jesus builds his discipleship around offering invitation and challenge, inviting us into his life, inviting us to be in relationship with him, but also challenging us to responsibility, to become who he's created us to be. 
And I know that word responsibility can be a heavy word sometimes, but for me, it simply means to respond with ability. And so if we look at Jesus here now as he turns to the crowd, well, first he tells Peter, he says, hey, keep this on the low. (laughs) You don't need to share this right now. Nobody needs to know this right now. I've got to suffer some things. I've got to be crucified. And then on the third day, I'll rise from the dead. Then after he says that to them, he turns to the crowd again. And he says to them, and he says to the crowd, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Here we see the invitation and challenge of discipleship. Invitation, God is inviting us into relationship. Challenge, God is inviting us into responsibility. And I think for us, we have to learn how to respond to these things. Because if we're all invitation, you know, invitation, some of us love invitation where it's just like, hey, let's just hang out. I'm okay. You're okay. We're all fine. We just hang out. We have a good time, but we never get to anything deeper. We just hanging out. And if you don't, and tension leads to growth. So if you don't have any tension, you don't grow. And so you just hanging out, hanging out, and really there's a dissatisfaction. You're comfortable because nobody gets to bother you. You're cozy because nobody, no, I hope nobody asks me about this. But really, there's no growth taking place. Some of us, we are all challenged, and all we do is ask questions and challenge people, and it becomes so oppressive. And some of us need to balance our challenge with invitation and learn how to do life with people. You know, hey, I know you're challenging people, but sometimes you're creating an environment where people feel like they can't measure up. What we learn about Jesus in John, the first chapter, is Jesus was full of grace and truth. Now, it wasn't that he just, you know, he switched, I'm a little bit grace today. No, I'm going to be a little bit of truth. No, Jesus was full grace all the time. And he was full truth all the time. And the truth of the matter is, within every invitation is a challenge. And within every challenge is an invitation. What is God inviting you into and what is he challenging you with? Jesus offers the crowd an opportunity to step from out of the crowd and to enter into relationship with him and to do life with him. So the invitation he gives is this. If anyone wants to come after me, to come after me means to line up after me. You got to follow him, right? And if we're asking questions and we know, okay, Jesus knows some things that I don't know. I need to come behind. I don't need to be out of front. I need to come. So he's inviting us, hey, into relationship. And the challenge is, is to deny oneself and to get behind it. Now, I know that denying oneself, self-denial could look like many things. For some of you, it may have a person on a long fast. For others, it may have, you know, the picture of someone traveling through the desert, you know, suffering. Um, uh, Denial may involve Christian practices and Christian disciplines, but let me give you what came to my mind when I think about self-denial. Self-denial, to me, when one denies himself, it means that 
this person is reorienting their life and priorities around Jesus. To deny oneself means that I am going to reorient my life and my priorities around Jesus. This is nothing new because Jesus said that we are to first do what? To first seek the kingdom, didn't he? That's his priorities. He's the king. And so when we deny ourselves, what we're really saying is, okay, I don't know it all. I got to fall in line behind Jesus. I got to fall behind him because he knows. And then the other challenge is to take up our cross daily. To take up our cross daily. Now, this is a unique reference because this is pre-cross. Jesus hasn't went, this is pre-Calvary. He hasn't died on the cross yet, and he mentions already taking up your cross. Most of us hear this, and we are post-cross, and so we bring in the reference to him dying on the cross. But this is before then. Well, one of the applications I believe for this cross is for identification purposes, to identify with Jesus in his mission. Because the cross is for selfishness. There are some things, there are some times that we don't want to follow him. And we have this battle, right? Of, you know, I'm going to get out of line and I'm going to do this. In this, in Matthew's gospel, he tells the story, you know, right after Peter said, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go to the cross. I've got to suffer And then Peter does something else that we don't get in Luke. Peter, he went over to Jesus and he pulled him to the side. He said, Jesus, I don't know if you know this, but that's not what the Messiah does. The Messiah is, no, you're not supposed to get killed. I don't know if you read the manuscript, but if you look at the end, we win. So you're not supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to die. And Jesus says to Peter, get behind me, Satan. For you have in mind the things of man rather than God. Now, we can look at Peter and say, oh, Peter, come on, dude, you know better than that. But how many times does God have to do that with us? You know? We, you know, we get the answer right and we're like, yeah! Yeah, I know what we're supposed to do, you know, I know what I, yep. And then it's like, Oh, sorry, Jesus. Let me go back behind you. And we have to go and assume the position of putting him back in the right place, that he is numero uno. He deserves the glory. We are following him. And so in this invitation and challenge in denying ourselves, taking up the cross, coming after him, following him, see, when we follow him, If we suffer with him, we get to reign with him. You see, and looking at Jesus' life and the way he lived life, Jesus wasn't a miserable man. I see someone whose cup was full of joy. You know, where some of us, you know, it's, how you doing? Blessed of the Lord. (laughs) I, I just don't think Jesus lived life that way. But he lived life passionately. He spent time praying because he couldn't wait to talk to the Father. And see, I think sometimes as Christians, we have this mentality where we think we have to. But I think the disciples was like, oh, we get to. 
We get to be with Jesus. And so when you talk about following him, having a cost, I know we've got some smart shoppers in here, right? And I know there's some sisters in here who don't mind dropping a few dollars on a good pair of shoes, right? But you're going to make sure they're quality. You know a good bargain when you see one. What's the greater cost? Following Jesus or not following him? What's the greater cost? Because if you follow him, in the, in the beginning, it seems like you're losing. Like, okay, God, you're asking me to give this all up, to follow you. But I can't live without you. I've seen too much right now to go back. This is hard. It's stretching me beyond capacity. But I've seen too much to go back. But if you're here and you're thinking like, nah, I got to do me right now. I got to get this money. You know, I, I got to get this career. I got to do that. I'll, I'll just keep coming to church. I like, I like a little Jesus on the side. You know, Jesus my side piece. <laughs> you know, we don't say it, but we may have treat him like that, you know. That little, little Jesus on the side, you know. Uh, Dallas Willard, an author, he calls some Christians vampire Christians because all they want is a little blood to make sure they get to heaven, but that's it. But he's calling us into something much deeper. You see, either way has a cost. Either way has a cost. You just got to figure which cost has the biggest return. That's what's important. Recognizing, hey, if I go this way, I'm going to lose it. If I go this way, I'm going to gain it. How, what did this look like in the life of Jesus? You remember he was in the wilderness, and one day Satan showed up, and he was just like, hey, hey, Jesus, let me show you something. And in an instance, he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to Jesus, he said, Jesus, all you got to do is bow down and I'll give them all to you. They'll all be yours. Now, for Jesus, this is a, this is a, good, a good temptation by saying this, this is a good one. Why? Because Jesus knows that he's created to be, he, that he's not created, but he is the king of kings, right? He's the king of kings. He's supposed to have all authority. But the temptation is, is to get it the easy way. Jesus knows that no cross, no crown. Satan is saying, hey, just bow down and worship me, and you got it. You're all done. You did what you came to do. But Jesus is no dummy. He knows, wait a minute, uh-uh, this is not the way that Father, the Father has for me. And so Satan, the enemy, comes at us the same way presents us things that are a shadow of our true mission. And we look at it and we're like, oh, that looks good. That's what I'm created to do. But if we wait and say, wait a minute now, I can't compromise my character integrity to do it this way. Yeah. I'm going to lose this one because if I lose it this way, 
I'll discover who, I'm really, who I really am. I know that I'll step into the fullness of who God wants me to be. But if I take it this way, I forfeited my destiny. I forfeited my purpose. What invitation and what challenge is God issuing to you? Is he calling you to step out from among the crowd and to follow him? Do you hear his invitation? Are you up for the challenge? Go ahead, do your cost analysis. No one should start a project without figuring out how much it costs. Go ahead, do the cost analysis. Please do. Jesus told the parable that there was a man who found a pearl that was valuable. The man went back, sold everything he had to buy the field because he knew that it was worth it. Do you know that it's worth it to follow Jesus, to be his disciple, to learn from him, to be with him? Jesus, at the end of this passage, he says, you got to identify with me. You can't be ashamed of me. You can't be ashamed to build your life around my priorities and around my agenda. Because if you are, if you let that hold you back, you can't be a part of the family because when I return, I'm going to be ashamed of you. I'm going to be ashamed of you. And I don't want to hear, depart from me, I, I didn't know you. <laughs> I don't want to hear that. I want to, I, when he come back, I want him to say, oh, that's my fam right there. Yeah. And see, none of us will identify perfectly. None of us will do this perfectly. It's not about doing it perfectly. See, that's the whole point why we're disciples, we're students, we're apprentices, we're learning how to do this. And so we've got to be committed to stay on the path and say, Lord, you know what? I recognize that I'm going to lose sometimes. I'm, I'm going to miss it sometimes, but it doesn't depend on me. But great is thy faithfulness. I'm going to keep my eyes on you, and I'm going to keep pursuing you. Amen? Please stand to your feet. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. You are an amazing God and you have done amazing things through your son, Jesus. We thank you that you invite us into relationship to be members of your family. But you also invite us to be with you and to join in kingdom work. Lord, there are some of us who have settled for the comfortable and the cozy, and we like being at a distance in the crowd. But Lord, this morning you are calling them forward. You are issuing an invitation to them. Lord, there are many of us who haven't yet taken the risk to step out and to be willing to try and do some of the things that you've been asking us to do. 
we feel maybe that we're not qualified. We maybe feel like we don't have enough education or enough smarts. But Father, your promise is to lead us and guide us and to be with us. I pray that you would give us an awareness to hear you and also to hear how you might be speaking within our heart. We give you praise and glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Enjoy your afternoon. Thank you, yep. Pastor. Yep. You're welcome.